I look forward to Easter week every year. What a glorious week it is. I've been reading the passage that was read for us this week, seeking to understand it in a new way. And if we pause for a moment and we think about these palm branches and think about what was said on that day when Jesus mounted that young donkey and entered the city of Jerusalem. Many of the people of Jerusalem were waving these, laying them in front of Jesus and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But we need to draw a distinction between Palm Sunday and Easter. Because we need to note that they weren't shouting Alleluia, they were shouting Hosanna. Hosanna means save us now. So it was not necessarily a greeting of praise or of thanksgiving, but it was really a plea a plea from the people of Israel with the hope as they waved these palm branches that Jesus, like Moses, would create the opportunity for a new exodus. Just as Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt, out from under the rod of the oppressor and Pharaoh, the people of Israel were hoping for a conquering king that would provide an exodus out from underneath the yoke of the oppressive Roman Empire. And so when we hear those words, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, it, it, it sort of recasts what Palm Sunday means because it's the first day of the last week of the life of Jesus. It's the first day of a week of heartache and tragedy. It's the first day of a week in which people who gathered and shouted Hosanna find that Jesus is not going to meet their expectation, and so many of them turn against Jesus. It's the week of Jesus' betrayal, not just by Judas, but by all of those people who wanted Jesus to do something they wanted him to do rather than trusting in Jesus to do what Jesus sought to do. Palm Sunday sets the frame for all that follows in those next several days. If you will, I would suggest to you that people waving palm branches and shouting Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is really a bit of pandering. Because it's really not joyful because it is self-centered. We want you to deliver us. We expect you to deliver us. But Jesus doesn't come riding a horse of war. Jesus comes riding an animal of peace with the donkey. And Jesus, by the very symbolic nature of riding side saddle on that donkey, is saying, 
to the people who want him to do what they want him to do for their own self-desires is saying, that's not what I'm about. I'm about something different. And so in some ways, Palm Sunday represents the presence of Jesus that sort of becomes a source of division in Jerusalem. It becomes this very powerful image of Jesus saying to the people, be careful, don't miss what is about to happen. Don't misunderstand what is about to happen. And yet, so many, so many people that week missed what happened. And Palm Sunday sets us up for those conversations. This morning we had read for us verses one through 11. And if you were to read through the rest of the chapter down through verse 32, you would find that we move from the opening events of Jesus' week in Jerusalem, from entering the city on a donkey, and Matthew takes us next to the temple in verse 12. And in verse 12, two things happen according to Matthew. Jesus is upset by those in the temple court who are taking advantage of those coming to worship with their money changing and with the sale of sacrificial animals. And what does Jesus do? Matthew tells us he overturned their tables. And he said, my house shall be a house of prayer. Now we want to be careful with those images because it doesn't mean that he overturned the tables of all who were there, for all who were there were simply serving the people, not all who were there were taking advantage of the people. But in the midst of that overturning the tables and Jesus making a statement about cleansing the temple, Jesus also comes and brings healing, physical healing. There were those who were blind. There were those who were lame gathered in the temple courts. And Jesus healed them. So think about that for a moment. In the midst of Jesus' corrective presence, Jesus also brings healing. And that image can be a challenge to those of us in the Western Hemisphere to those of us who grew up in a democracy. Because sometimes we read the scripture in the light of our own context. And some of us sometimes want our relationship with Jesus to be a democracy. When we come to Jesus and say, I'm gonna follow Jesus, it's no longer a democracy. It's no longer the opportunity to say, if I don't get it the way I want it, then I'm not gonna follow. Palm Sunday sets us up for those questions. And yet, in the midst of that disruption, 
in the midst of that dissonance, Jesus comes willing to bring healing. Willing to bring healing. Willing to welcome those who may not understand all that they will understand about what it means to follow Jesus. For many of us came to Jesus not fully knowing what all that meant, but we were drawn and we came and we embraced the invitation of Jesus and we have followed and we have let Jesus shape us and form us. We've let Jesus correct us and teach us. We've let Jesus judge us and convict us. And we have responded to the leading of Christ in our lives. And as a result, what have we found? We have found, like those in the temple, we've found healing and we've found hope. And we've found a future and we've found a life. And we have found a community in which to live out our faith. A little bit later on in that chapter, authority becomes the question of the day. Now, have you noticed that there are some people who have this, well, they might think it's spiritual gift. In the light of all the good things that are taking place, the cynics show up. And in, these passage, in this passage, the chief priests and the elders come to Jesus, ignoring all of the miracles that have taken place, ignoring all this taking that Jesus is doing in healing people. And their question isn't about anything except, by what authority do you do this? Think about that for a moment. On the heels of the healings in the temple courts, the most urgent question the chief priest wants to ask is, by what authority do you do this? I have met some Christians like that every once in a while. No names. They're more concerned about doing things right than giving thanks to God for the things that God are doing outside of the way they think they ought to be done. And so there's this conversation between Jesus and the chief priests and the elders. And as I read that passage this week several times, I thought their question is foolishness. because they were not concerned about the outcomes made possible by the Son of God, but they were concerned about the authority upon which they were having. And what's really going on is they were concerned that their authority was being undermined. And so their question seeks to preserve their role, their authority. But let me ask this, and before I'm too hard on the chief priests and the elders, I really have to ask myself, when do I question the authority of Jesus? 
When do I question the authority of Jesus? Sometimes when the Spirit of God moves in us and teaches us and gives us instruction or direction, and we go, hmm, I'm not sure about that. We're questioning the authority of Jesus. Or sometimes when we've been wrong and the Holy Spirit comes and says, you were wrong, you need to go apologize. No, I'm not going to do that because I was not wrong, I was right. More harm can be done in the body of believers when people hang on to being right instead of seeking healing. So this question is really important. By whose authority do you do this? But I would suggest to you this morning that verse 10 asks the central question if we were to appreciate this opening day of the last week of Jesus' life, when the people ask, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? And the response that's written in Matthew is very important for us to understand and appreciate. The answer is, this is Jesus a prophet from Nazareth. Now that's a fair answer. But notice with me, the answer is not, this is Jesus the Messiah. They simply assign to Jesus the role of prophet, not of Savior and Lord and Messiah. Because Jesus didn't come and give them what they wanted. because Jesus was going to give them something more, something different. And in the next few days, many of those who had waved palm branches and put their coats in front of Jesus as he entered Jerusalem would be disappointed and turned against Jesus. They were fair weather followers. Since they didn't get what they wanted, delivery from the oppression of Rome, they abandoned Jesus. So this morning, as we, in just a few moments, prepare to receive the sacrament of communion, I would ask us, I would invite you to ask the question of yourself, of Jesus, who is this? Who is this? As we move through Holy Week and we experience the Stations of the Cross and we have Good Friday service and we gather the community on the patio for an outreach event and we gather next Sunday for early worship at 7 a.m. or worship here in the sanctuary at 10 a.m., ask yourself the question for yourself, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Is Jesus the Jesus that you want Jesus to be so that Jesus does what you want Jesus to do? Or is Jesus the man who hung on a cross, gave his life for us, was resurrected to new life 
so that we might be resurrected in all of the symbolism of baptism to new life. And will we let Jesus shape us and form us in the way Jesus would want to rather than seeking what we want? It's a question. It is a question that every believer ought to just stop and ask every once in a while. Because life sometimes, and the events of life sometimes, attach themselves to us like barnacles on a boat. And every once in a while we should pause before God the Father and say, I want Jesus to be who Jesus wants to be to me rather than what I want from Jesus. Oh, Joan and I can give you stories from our lives in which we had figured out that there was a good way for God to work. (laughs) God didn't work that way. but we would also tell you when we released what we thought would be to whatever God was going to provide, it's always been better. Always been better. More complete, more hopeful, more effective, better provision for us. So I would just say to you on this Palm Sunday, don't miss the Jesus who wants to be your Jesus because you want Jesus to be a certain way for you. Welcome Jesus and answer the question, who is this? This is the Son of God, my Lord, my Savior, and may Jesus do in me what Jesus seeks to do in me, and I will give thanks, for this is who Jesus is. You see, The difference between Palm Sunday is Hosanna, save me, to Easter is Alleluia, Christ is risen. And in those seven days, the most remarkable thing happens in the world. And I would just invite you to answer the question, who is this? And welcome Jesus into your life. and let Jesus shape and form you in a new way. This morning, in just a moment, we're going to sing a chorus and I'm gonna invite you to come to the altar for our prayer time and if you'd like to be anointed for healing for yourself or for someone else, you may come to my right. If you want to have time to pray, you may come to my left. And can I just say to you, in this prayer time, I have to remember the events that took place in Nashville on Monday. Three children, three staff, three nine-year-olds, I have grandchildren that age. 
my daughter is a substitute teacher in a school, and she says, one of the first things I do when I go into a classroom is to ask the question, what do we do if children should not have to worry about that? And so this morning as we pray, we'll take a moment in silence to pray for those families, to pray for God's protection and provision, and to lament and grieve with them. For while we are the Paznaz community of faith, we are a part of the global community of faith that bears one another's burdens together. And we will do that.